So welcome to another episode of Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel and I'm joined here today by my friend Michelle Kelly. As you know, Ben Simon is away this month enjoying himself on holidays. So we've got a couple of special things in our journal club session. And I thought this was a very timely thing to look at a fabulous simulation textbook that's just been produced. And I'm very fortunate to have one of the editors here. How are you, Michelle? I'm very well, thanks Vic. How are you? I'm very good and I think all our listeners don't necessarily know you as well as I do. So just by way of introduction, uh, Michelle has a key simulation role at Curtin University, which is over in Western Australia for our international listeners. And she's official title there is the Director Community of Practice which means she gets to work across simulation in the School of Nursing, Midwifery and Paramedicine, but also with other schools in the Faculty of Health Sciences and Medicine. Anyone who knows Michelle in the simulation world in Australia would also know that she had a distinguished career at the University of Technology in Sydney in their School of Nursing, and also as a previous chair of ASH, the Australasian Society for Simulation in Healthcare. She's written lots of academic papers, if you're interested in looking at those, on ResearchGate and Google Scholar. Most importantly, as I said, she's the editor of this book, and it will be featured at the Australasian Simulation Congress, where Michelle will also be hosting uh, one of the plenary sessions talking about uh, education. Okay, well, listen, I'll talk about the name of this book. So this is called Healthcare Simulation Education, Evidence Theory and Practice. And the editors are Deborah Nestel, who we've had here on Simulcast before, Michelle, uh, Brian Jolly, and Marcus Watson. And this was published in May 2017 by Wiley Blackwell. And I got interested in this book because I think it's just a wonderful summary of really the state of the art in simulation in 2017. Covers an incredible array of topics, and I think there really is something for everyone here. But before we get into the structure of the book and what's in it, I suppose I might ask you, Michelle, um, what was the motivation here? Why did you think you were going to write and or edit a book like this? Well, when you look at it retrospectively, you do wonder why. One thing I always say to people is, uh, jokingly, if you look closely through the book, you will see blood, sweat and tears. Within healthcare simulation, uh, the field is just maturing at uh, such a, a wonderful rate. And like any new discipline on the scene, uh, after the initial burst of enthusiasm and publishing, then comes a second wave of uh, investigation and embedding appropriate pedagogy, educational approaches uh, into what we currently, and what I call contemporary simulation. This book features um, practical things as well as some evidence and theory to really really consolidate and uh, provide a robust range of information if you like on um, conducting and evaluating and researching healthcare simulation. So I got the idea from that introductory chapters that each of the four editors uh, have been previous or current chairs of ASH and it does seem like the maturation of this field has been one of the motivations just as you said. Uh, have you done this kind of thing before? Can you talk us through what, how you go about editing and writing a book? Well I think one of the important things is that the people who come together in an editor role have similar aims that they want to contribute to the to the job but I think the benefit of four of us who were previous ASH chairs contributing back to uh, the society 
uh, was a real motivator as well. Um, I guess, though, just as you've mentioned, the breadth is pretty big here. How did you go about choosing topics and people to write about them? To really work through, well, what will be the scope that people would be interested in at this point in time? And also thinking into the future, what would forecasting, if you like, well, where would we be in 10 years' time? So as you've intimated, it's a pretty broad array of topics. And I'm really surprised that you managed to keep it down to just the 250-odd pages. Uh, How do you envisage people using the book? So I think people will probably mostly dip in and out of it. But because there are references to other chapters, they might find... uh, benefit in either purchasing the whole book as uh, as a hard copy or as a soft copy. And it really depends where they're coming from. If they're uh, quite new to this uh, area, then they might benefit from reading the whole text. But more advanced users of SIM might like to focus in on the research section, for example. Yeah, so I think, uh, as you say, variable and just for people who are listening uh, I think it's about $80 for the ebook and just under or just over $100 for the hard copy Um, and you can get that uh, via the um, Wiley website and uh, just so there's no disclosures Michelle's not given me any money and I'm pretty sure she's not making a whole lot out of it either. Correct. Uh, So I I thought we might um, have a bit of a look and I thought probably just as interesting to hear a little bit about what you learnt about simulation but while you're thinking about that um, just my highlights from it just to pick a couple I think there's a really uh, sophisticated chapter in there thinking about what we used to term fidelity and then now exploring other terms like realism authenticity and a new term for me talking about meaningfulness when it comes to trying to represent uh, the real world in simulation Uh, As Michelle indicated, I did enjoy some of the research uh, aspects of a number of the chapters, and it really gives you this very succinct literature review on a whole range of things. Uh, I know both you and Deborah have a big interest in simulated patients, and I think there's plenty of, again, deep dive about simulated patients and how we work best with them uh, in the textbook. And the other thing that I think is really useful is talking about some of the communities of practice in simulation. You've talked a bit about the various professional societies and some of the groups both within one discipline as well as the uh, cross-professional ones. But I am interested because I'm sure in this process you learnt things about simulation yourself. Did you want to tell us a little bit about those? Absolutely. And I think it's a prime example of when you embark on a new endeavour, you're always going to learn something. And I think uh, the fourth section, which is the one I edited, has some really, really interesting um, case studies, which uh, people in similar situations, um, or even different situations, would learn a lot from. Yes, and having had a look at a couple of those case studies there from uh, other countries where we clearly can see simulation is conceptualised differently, funded differently, and a couple of them are also different uses of simulation that we might not have thought of uh, or in fact that we might be involved in but didn't realise there was such an extensive body of literature around like transport of the critically ill simulation. So uh, I think all of those things were quite interesting. One topic I did want to pick your brains about and that is terminology and you've indicated that this 
period of time is a period of maturation for healthcare simulation. And it seemed that one of the challenges there was people talk about the same thing using different words and vice versa. How did you deal with that in the book? Right, it's uh, this is a very timely topic. And uh, I believe with the um, simulation dictionary uh, launched last year through the Society for Sim in Healthcare, the uh, production of that dictionary really helped with focusing uh, very clearly on what terms meant and what good alternative words would mean similar if you were in a different country. And I think a good example there is confederate uh, as a term which uh, is pretty much part and parcel of uh, American know-how and knowledge, North American, uh, but in other countries uh, it doesn't really sit that well. So the terminology, and I think fidelity is another really good example, as you mentioned before. Fidelity is related to the equipment, but also the environment that you set up, the psychological fidelity. So it's got many more layers than what we first uh, realised when we used the term fidelity. Yeah, so I think that that is a good example. And just for our listeners, we'll put a link to the dictionary that Michelle's talking about on the website. And it is worth a look because I think that's been an important step, as I said, in the maturation of how we talk about uh, healthcare simulation. So I suppose just uh, any other thoughts about, without creating a spoiler, when you get to the end, you and Deborah do have a little bit of a go at predicting the future. Did you want to give us a bit of an idea about where you see things going from here? <laughs> this was a really challenging chapter to write and it's uh, succinct, but uh, I think with the way that augmented reality and virtual reality is going, uh, are they already playing uh, quite a major role in uh, where healthcare simulation is going right now. Avatars and just the role that technology will play in changing the format of uh, how we deliver healthcare sim. I think it's anyone's guess where we will be in 20 years time. But I would think that patient safety and uh, enabling people to care for themselves more and more uh, would be good outcomes of uh, healthcare simulation practice. So, as you say, I think readers will have to uh, see what we've been able to forecast. Mm, I think if we look at the trends in technology elsewhere, this uh, democratisation of any of these modalities and shifting it down such that patients can use simulation. And I just saw a tweet about another study looking at teaching parents of children with central lines uh, through simulation how they can care for those lines at home and I think we are going to see an expansion of that kind of simulation using any of the modalities that we've been doing. Right. Well I guess uh, maybe in 20 years time Simulcast will do a little uh, review and see with the updated maybe fifth edition of the book we'll be able to see if your predictions uh, are anywhere near close Michelle. <laughs> well we will see. <laughs> All right, well, I certainly think uh, it's worth having a look at this textbook and I would recommend it for anyone involved in SIM, whether you're just starting out trying to get your head around the literature uh, or indeed thinking about other ideas for how to approach your own simulation challenges. I've certainly decided to buy one for the simulation fellows who are working with us and we'll be using it for our faculty development program. So 
Thanks again, Michelle. I know is always a huge amount of work from the authors and editors of these books. And uh, we'll look forward to um, seeing you at the Australasian Simulation Congress. Terrific. Okay, thanks so much, Vic.